DiscerningHearts.com presents Beginning to Pray with Dr. Anthony Lillis. Dr. Lillis is an associate professor and the academic dean of St. John's Seminary in Camarillo, California, as well as the academic advisor for the St. Juan Diego House of Priestly Formation for the Archdiocese of Los Angeles. Through the years, clergy, seminarians, religious, and lay faithful have benefited from his lectures and retreat conferences on the Carmelite Doctors of the Church and the writings of St. Elizabeth of the Trinity. He's the author of several books, including Hidden Mountain Secret Garden, A Theological Contemplation of Prayer. In this series of conversations with Dr. Lillis, we reflect on the writings of St. Elizabeth of the Trinity. Her retreat, Heaven and Faith, is the source of our current reflection. Beginning to Pray with Dr. Anthony Lillis. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Anthony, welcome back. Thank you, Chris. It's great to be with you. Last uh, time we were together, we talked about day five, and that reflection was especially rich. It was about the Eucharist and Jesus coming to us through the Blessed Sacrament and what this means to be in communion with him, to have his passion animating our soul, to be filled with his life. Day six, Elizabeth is writing to her sister this retreat. Her sister, a married woman, her sister, someone who probably doesn't have a lot of time to pray. And after having told her about the Eucharist, she's now going to tell her about the disposition that we need to be able to receive the Eucharist in faith in a way that will change our lives. And that way, that disposition we need is the disposition of living faith. To approach God, we must believe. Thus speaks St. Paul. He also says, Faith is the substance of things to be hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That is, faith makes so present and so certain future goods that by it, they take on existence in our soul and subsist there before we have fruition of them. St. John of the Cross says that it serves as feet to go to God and that it is possession in an obscure manner. It alone can give us true light concerning Him whom we love. And our soul must choose it as the means to reach blessed union. It pours out in torrents in the depths of our being all spiritual goods. Christ, speaking to the Samaritan woman, indicated faith when he promised to all those who would believe in him that he would give them a fountain of water springing up unto life everlasting. Thus, even in this life, faith gives us God. Covered, it is true, with a veil, but nonetheless, God himself. When that which is perfect comes, that is, clear vision, then that which is imperfect, in other words, knowledge given through faith, 
will receive all its perfection. We have come to know and to believe in the love God has for us. That is our great act of faith, the way to repay our God love for love. It is the mystery hidden in the Father's heart of which St. Paul speaks, which, at last, we penetrate and our whole soul thrills. When it can believe in this exceeding love which envelops it, we may say of it as we said of Moses, he was unshakable in faith as if he had seen the invisible. It no longer rests in inclinations or feelings. It matters little to the soul whether it feels God or not, whether he sends it joy or suffering. It believes in his love. The more it is tried, the more its faith increases because it passes over all obstacles, as it were, to go rest in the heart of infinite love who can perform only works of love. So also to this soul, wholly awakened in its faith, the Master's voice can say in intimate secrecy the words he once addressed to Mary Magdalene. Go in peace. Your faith has saved you. In this first prayer, she talks about the very nature of what faith is, and this is important for a couple reasons. And I've said this before in another context, but I'd like to repeat it now. And that mm -hmm. is, oftentimes today, there are a number of what I call spiritual marketing plans, where people are trying to market techniques and methods as a way to access God. And when they try these techniques and methods, they sometimes you see them at different retreat centers and uh, so forth you know, around the country. I was enchanted with these at one time. I thought, oh, I haven't really learned how to pray because I didn't learn this method. I haven't really learned how to pray because I didn't learn this technique. And one of the things that you'll discover with these techniques and methods, they usually aim at trying to lull you or, or help you attain a state of consciousness of one kind or another or a, a kind of feeling. Mm -hmm. And what Elizabeth is saying right here about faith is kind of stands in opposition to that whole endeavor this whole kind of consumeristic mentality towards spiritual things that is so prevalent in our culture. She's saying that our faith is not about achieving a psychic state or a feeling good. It's not about mental hygiene. Our faith is about communion with God, whether you feel it or you don't feel it, whether you intuit it or you don't intuit it, whether you can visualize it or not visualize it. Faith is deeper than our powers of visualization, our powers of imagination, our powers of a feeling, our powers of intuition. Faith is in the very substance of our soul, and it connects the substance of our soul with the very substance of God. The reality of faith, the, the truth about it, is by faith, we have access 
to God quite apart from any and all of our psychological activity. If we believe God is present, Jesus is present, this power faith lets us access Jesus simply by saying his name. When we say his name, the Lord Jesus is present to us in a personal way. Uh, that's why we make the sign of the cross. When we make the sign of the cross, it's an act of faith. We're choosing to believe in that moment. And when we choose to believe, making the sign of the cross in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, it puts us in contact with God. That truth that I've just said, the reason why that's true is because of what Elizabeth is saying in this passage about the substance of faith. The faith allows us access to God himself. And that's why Christians can pray with bold confidence. If we use techniques, if we use methods, and there's nothing wrong with using a technique or a method, but those techniques and methods are always secondary to the access to God that we have by faith. And what this means is very practical. If you're using a, a technique, say the Jesus prayer or, mm -hmm. or the rosary, very ancient, very beautiful, very good techniques, very good methods of prayer. Or you could be using Lexio Divina, the reading a passage of the scripture. All those are wonderful techniques. What happens though at a certain stage while you're using a technique, you attend at a certain moment, you find yourself attending to God and the Lord God disclosing himself, his love to you in your soul. That's a very beautiful and intimate moment of prayer. The great spiritual masters, including Elizabeth, would say, when that happens, when you encounter God disclosing himself to you, revealing himself to you, don't turn to a technique or method or feel like uh, you need to finish this decade of the rosary or, or say this formula. Instead, surrender to what God is doing in that moment of prayer. Accept it as a gift. When we do that, we're receiving into the very substance of our soul, the substance of God. That kind of prayer is a very special prayer. It's, it, it's a mystical prayer. It's a prayer where God is the initiator. Sometimes there's a temptation to approach prayer like a, a titanic titanic activity the titans were the enemies of the greek gods and they tried to rise up and capture uh, destroy olympus well sometimes when we are too concerned about techniques and methods and prayer what is really going on in our heart is we're trying to manipulate god it's titanic we're, we're actually in a certain way being hostile to god we're not allowing god to love us that's why this passage from Elizabeth is so important. First, she's telling us what faith is. Faith is this decision we have to believe that God is love and that he loves us personally. It's a decision that we find in the scriptures. It's, you know, how do you make this decision? What does it look like? And Elizabeth gives us the Samaritan woman. Samaritan woman, remember, she was at the, the well, mm -hmm. and she was poor, and she was outcast of the community. She was there in the middle of the day. The reason why she was in the middle, there in the middle of the day and by herself was because the rest of the community has, had rejected her. She was living in sin, living with somebody. She had been married several times, 
Her life was a shipwreck, and people didn't want to associate with her, and she was too embarrassed to associate with people. Jesus came to her. Christ, speaking to the Samaritan woman, indicated faith when he promised to all those who would believe in him that he would give them a fountain of water springing up unto life everlasting. Thus, even in this life, faith gives us God. Covered, it is true, with a veil, but nonetheless, God himself. In coming to her, the first thing about faith is faith is a gift. It's The Samaritan woman didn't do anything to merit faith. She didn't do anything to merit the encounter with Christ. She just happened to be there when Jesus came to her. And then what were the first words out of Jesus' mouth to the Samaritan woman? I thirst. His thirst for us is what causes us to thirst for him. She didn't really realize the full ramifications of what Jesus said when he disclosed to her his thirst. But the gift of that, what it ignited in her heart, it made her curious. She wanted to know more. She entered into a deeper and deeper conversation with Jesus. So real prayer kind of unfolds in this kind of holy conversation. It happens so gently. You don't even realize fully who Jesus is when you begin to speak to him in the depths of your heart. He comes to you in poverty, comes to you with his thirst, and it ignites this kind of holy desire. And Jesus begins to reveal this desire that is igniting in her heart. He tells her, you know, if you knew who was asking you for water, you would ask him instead, and Elizabeth quotes this, and he would give you a fountain of water springing up unto life everlasting. And this is what happens when we meet Jesus in faith. What he gives us far exceeds anything that we can get by our own efforts, by our mastery of a technique or our ability to follow a method. None of that can compare even remotely to what Jesus does when he comes to us in his poverty, when he excites in the depths of our heart his love for the Father, his love for him. We feel ourselves yearning for him, desiring to be with him. All we can think about, we're consumed with him. When that happens to someone in prayer, when you find yourself on fire for Jesus, yearning for him, wanting to be with him, wanting to find out more about him, that is the greatest most beautiful fruit of beginning to pray. Jesus has lit a fire in your heart. He's waking you up spiritually. And it's exactly this grace that Elizabeth wants her sister Margaret to experience in prayer. You, What is it that we're supposed to believe in about God? What is it that we're supposed to choose? And Elizabeth makes this clear. We're supposed to believe that Jesus, who comes to us, is revealing to us the love of God the Father. If we choose to believe that in everything that happens to us in life, this is how we learn to trust Jesus in a deeper and deeper way. And that's how our desire for Jesus gets stronger and stronger and stronger. The set of prayer then is a call to a kind of prayer 
that involves deep and growing and abiding trust. When she talks about faith, this we're talking about a kind of trust. One other reference that, that we heard was a reference to St. John of the Cross. He says that faith is the feet by which we go to the Lord. When she's quoting St. John of the Cross here, when she's talking about these feet, she's actually referring to a passage, I believe it's from the Spiritual Canticle. And in the Spiritual Canticle, that poem that John of the Cross wrote is all about the bride going on a search for her beloved and trying to find her beloved. Who is Jesus? And the bride is the soul. And in order to make progress to find Jesus who is hidden, we must go by faith, she says. And faith are the feet that carry us down this pathway. What guides us, so the faith kind of gives us the energy to go in in a certain direction, but knowing what direction to go in, that's love. Love is the guide for our faith. When our faith is filled with love, when we call that technically in theology, we call that living faith. When it's filled with love, when it's directed to love of God, when it believes in the love of God, when it's immersed in the love of God, when it's absorbed in the love of God, when faith is on fire with the love of God, that faith takes us deep into an encounter with the Lord. It's able to serve as feet for this pathway of love into the heart of the Father. And this is where Elizabeth wants us to go. She wants us to follow the pathway of faith, to go on this journey of faith, this journey which is guided by love, directed to love, by love, into love, so that we can enter deep into the Father's heart. We have come to know and to believe in the love God has for us. That is our great act of faith, the way to repay our God love for love. It is the mystery hidden in the Father's heart of which St. Paul speaks, which, at last, we penetrate and our whole soul thrills. When it can believe in this exceeding love which envelops it, We may say of it as we said of Moses, he was unshakable in faith as if he had seen the invisible. It no longer rests in inclinations or feelings. It matters little to the soul whether it feels God or not, whether he sends it joy or suffering. It believes in his love. What she wants for her sister and through her sister, what she wants for us to live life to the full, to be completely filled to the brim with God's exceeding love, to be overflowing with that exceeding love. And the only way for that to happen is to believe in that love no matter what happens in life. Now, the hard part is that sometimes we can experience this love in prayer Sometimes, though, and more often than not, we experience this love in the day-to-day things that happen to us in our lives, and especially the difficult things. And this is where she was talking about the soul doesn't care whether or not it's suffering or what's going on. When you're on a passionate search for God, 
when you're filled with love on him, for him and you're on fire with him, it involves personal suffering. That's almost kind of a secondary thing. It doesn't throw you off. It doesn't frighten you. It doesn't make you anxious. You don't, you're not trying to escape it. It's okay. Well, this is something I need to deal with right now because I'm in love with God. This kind of faith animated by God. Do you see how it's an answer to the difficult trials and tribulations that we can have in this life that kind of come we have uh, sometimes difficult family members that we don't know how to deal with them or, or what to say to them or how to love them. But if we believe that God is love and we're looking for God's love in our encounters with them, in this passionate search for love, in this belief in God's love, in this moment with this person, we will find love there. Uh, St. John of the Cross said after he was imprisoned in Toledo, he escaped. And the sisters wanted to know, how did you live? You were there for almost a whole year. You were tortured. You were tormented. You were starved. You were kept in the dark. How did you survive? And St. John of the Cross looked at them and said, where there is no love, put love, and you will find love. That message of John of the Cross rings in these words, Blessed Elizabeth of the Trinity. She's calling us to believe in love no matter what. And so you come into that hard relationship, that place that needs reconciliation, and you just don't know what to say. Believe in love, and God will find a way. What really stands out for me in what you've just said is that you're encountering and entering into a relationship with a person, the person of Jesus. So it's not an ethereal thought or a, a zone that you find yourself in where there's an emptiness or a, a void or even, I, can I call it the great expanse or however you want to call it, but you're actually encountering a person and that's the faith that we have is in the person of Jesus. You're absolutely right. It is an interpersonal encounter. And that's what I want to distinguish that from some kind of psychic state that uh, sometimes people are, are trying to pursue in prayer. And, and they think that's what prayer is all about, is is some sort of um, uh, either a therapeutic result where you feel better about yourself or you something like that. Um, prayer is salvific, but it's salvific because it's an encounter with a person who is a fullness, who fills the void of who we are. Now, while we're praying, we might suffer all kinds of different voids and trials and tribulations and all kinds of different darknesses and difficulties. All that is quite normal in prayer. Um, and there's also all kinds of enchanting, beautiful experiences of God's presence that he might lavish on you. Sometimes your soul is so full of joy it wants to explode. She, Elizabeth talks about uh, the soul thrills. Uh, um, uh, uh, Teresa of Avila speaks about jubilation. You just want to shout God's praises from the rooftops. It, his love becomes so strong in your heart. Uh, all of this can happen in prayer. But prayer isn't about all those experiences. Prayer is about an encounter with the Word. And that encounter is so rich, so beautiful, uh, so inexhaustible 
that it fills every void and it stands behind all jubilation. It explodes in ever new revelations of the mystery of this person who is God. It is not just enough for us. It, it's not only all we need. It exceeds what we need. It exceeds what's enough for us. It fills us with something. He fills us with himself. And when he fills us with himself, it's more than we can hold. We are loved so much by him. This is what Elizabeth wants us to know and experience in our prayer. It matters little to the soul whether it feels God or not, whether he sends it joy or suffering. It believes in his love. The more it is tried, the more its faith increases because it passes over all obstacles, as it were, to go rest in the heart of infinite love who can perform only works of love. So also to this soul wholly awakened in its faith, the Master's voice can say in intimate secrecy the words he once addressed to Mary Magdalene. Go in peace. Your faith has saved you. It's almost as though all of the vocal prayers that we have or the, the things that we enter into, like the rosary and the Alexio Divina, it allows us to learn the dance. And it even gives us the step. But there becomes a point where God embraces us in that dance and we should allow him to lead at that point and the dance will be even be greater that's a beautiful image uh, that's a beautiful image for what happens in prayers sometimes we get too preoccupied with our our techniques and methods and there's god yearning for us uh, his whole being quaking for us and we're worried about whether we've done this technique exactly, that all those things, all that, those efforts, they're there to teach us the dance. But once the dance has started and God has taken us, we go with him and we let him take us where he wants to take us. And, and there will come a time when, when we need to struggle with our techniques again and get back to the mysteries of the rosary and say our prayers out loud so we can hear them. Uh, that part of prayer is something that you never totally abandon. But there are other moments of prayer where we need to just surrender and accept gratefully and humbly and contritely his beautiful presence in our lives and let that presence pierce us to the heart. That's what God wants for us. And that's what Elizabeth is talking about when she's talking about believing in love and not worrying anymore about whether you feel God or not, or whether you're suffering or feeling good or whatever, you just simply believe in the love of God and let that love take you to the heights. Mm, beautiful. Anthony, until next time, thank you so much. Thank you, Chris. You've been listening to Beginning to Pray with Dr. Anthony Lillis. To hear and or to download this episode along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will 
First, pray for our mission. And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about DiscerningHearts.com and join us next time for Beginning to Pray with Dr. Anthony Lillis.